The Bible tells us, make your calling an election sure. Today, I want to talk to you about how do you do that? How do you make your calling an election sure? Yesterday, I began to talk to you about the difference between believing that and believing in. Because many people believe that Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross, Jesus shed his blood for you and me, Jesus rose from the dead, but they don't believe in him. They do not surrender. They don't give him their life fully. So it's important to understand what saving faith really is. How do we make our calling and election sure? And thank you today for being with me. I really mean that I enjoy so much coming to you and talking with you and ministering the word of God to you because the Lord has given me two beautiful new assignments. One, to strengthen the church and two, to prepare the younger generation for the next move of God, you know. And I pray that the next few years of my life, I'll be able to do more and more and more of that. I'm still traveling and ministering the healing part of God and seeing people saved and healed, but I feel that new assignment now in my life to strengthen the believer and to prepare the young people for what God is about to do with their life in the future. So Lord, I thank you for the privilege that we all have to serve you. I thank you, Lord, for your love and grace and mercy on all of us. I pray again, Lord, that you'll use me today to bless your people with your word. And to you, precious Jesus, belongs the glory, the honor, and the praise. And God's wonderful people said, Amen and Amen. And thank you again for being with me. So, Mark 16, 16, the Lord said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And then in, in Acts 8, we see Simon the sorcerer believing, and he was baptized, but was he really saved? No, because the Bible says his heart was not right with God. Peter rebuked him. I showed you all that yesterday. Peter rebuked him and said, you're bound by iniquity. So the man was not in the kingdom. So what does the Lord mean by believe? If you believe, doesn't mean mentally accepting a fact. Believe means you yield your life completely to the Lord Jesus. So if I said to you today, do you believe that I exist? You'd say yes, because you can see me and I'm here and you can you know, listen to me and you can hear that I'm talking to you. But if, if I said, do you believe in me? Some of you who like me say yes, but you can't believe in me because to believe in me, give me your soul to keep. And of course you can't do that and I cannot help you with that. So you cannot believe in a human being. You can only believe in God. Now you believe, you know, uh, and you trust your mom, your dad, uh, your family, brothers and sisters, but you cannot trust them with your soul. You see, you cannot trust them with your eternal destiny, even though they are your family. So that word believe means to trust the Lord with our soul, to trust him with our eternal destiny, to trust him that he would take our our, our, our hearts and our life to heaven and that we would live with him forever in glory and to trust him that he would fulfill his promise to us that he will raise our bodies back from the dead. Nobody can do that for us. No mommy can do that. No daddy can do that. No human being can, can do that. We trust the Lord. 
our faith is in him. So when some, when, when a loved one goes to be with the Lord, we have such trust in the Lord to know they are with him. So we're, we're not going to mourn and be sorrowful because some, some loved one has gone. So when my, when, when my dad passed away, I was singing with joy. Why? Because I knew exactly where he was. My trust is in the Lord that my dad is not in that grave. He was never in that casket. He was never in that grave. He is with the Lord. Same with my mom. I held her hand. When, when, when the Lord was taking her home and I looked at old family and I knew when, when she left, I could feel her hand change. It, it went from warm to very cold, suddenly felt like rubber. And I said, she's gone. And my family said, well, how do you know what? Because I felt it, she's gone. So it's not about the body, it's about the, the spirit. It's about the individual who's with the Lord. But it's, it's all about our faith, isn't it? It's all about knowing what the Bible teaches. It's our trust in the Lord. It's not something we see. It's not something we have to feel. It's faith in God. We see the invisible. We believe the incredible. See, we really live by faith, not by sight, because we trust the Lord. We trust the Lord. So it's not, listen here, it's not about what he said. It's who he is. It's who he is. Someone can say something to you, but if you don't know their heart, you won't believe it. So a lot of people question what God said because they just don't know him. They just don't know him. So just to read the Bible doesn't mean you, you believe God or believe in God because you, you, you don't know the Lord. See? So Saul of Tarsus did not know the Lord. He knew what the Bible says, but he didn't know the Lord. And he went about killing Christians and putting them in jail because he did not know the Lord. Later, when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and gave his life to Jesus and surrendered, everything changed in his life. He, he became the, the great Paul, the apostle. And you know people, and I know people, who go to church and don't know the Lord, who know the Bible and don't know the Lord. A lot of people who go to universities and teach the Bible don't know the Lord. A lot of people who go to Bible school and learn the Bible don't know the Lord. A lot of pastors don't know the Lord. Because knowing the Lord has to do with faith in him. Not about him. Faith in him. Complete trust in the Lord. Remember what I showed you yesterday from Luke 8, where the Lord, beginning at verse 5 through 15, talks about how the sower went to sow, and seed fell on the rock, and the devil stole it, and then seed fell on thin ground with no depth, and it was gone again, and they lost it. And then the seed fell, you know, there's, there's stones, and they choked it, and they uh, and, and the and the and what they heard had, had, also, had also been stolen. But they on good ground with a good heart received and believed and kept the word. They kept the word. Because why? They trusted the Lord. They yielded to the Lord. The Christian life is not about trying. It's about yielding. It's about surrender. No word in the Bible does it say try or try harder. It says yield. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Yield your members or your body as instruments of righteousness. Don't yield to sin. Don't yield to the world. Yield to God. And that's what it means to believe. So he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So that's Mark 16, 16. Now, Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8 did not really believe, even though it says he believed and was baptized. 
But what, what happened to him is he saw the miracles that Philip performed for the Lord and in Jesus' name. He said, wow, you know, I believe too. And then the, uh, the apostles came and they laid hands on people and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he saw signs and wonders. He said, okay, I believe now because I see it. Anyone who believes as a result of seeing, that's not real faith. Because faith is not something you see. Faith is, is, is you know that you know that you know. We don't live by sight. We don't live by sight, but by faith. The children of Israel saw, saw fire by night and the cloud by day, and they did not know or love or worship the Lord, did they? They were worshiping idols, and they rebelled repeatedly. And finally, they, 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 they were, that, that whole first generation was destroyed. Imagine seeing the glory of God. Imagine seeing the Red Sea split. They saw the Red Sea divide, and they walked through it on dry land. And they still didn't believe, did they? They didn't trust the Lord, did they? They, in fact, complained about everything. So faith has, has nothing to do with sight. We, we, you and I have not seen Jesus, yet we love him. It says, having not seen him, yet we love him. How? It's the Holy Spirit that gave us that, that faith in us. It's by the Spirit. Faith is not mental. Faith is by the Holy Spirit. It's the faith of God. It's the faith of God. All right, now, I want to continue from there because I want to take you to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verse 21 through 27. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name have cast out devils. In your name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon the house. It didn't fall. It was founded upon a rock. But everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not. So it's not about hearing. It's about commitment. It's about full surrender. It's about full yielding to the Lord. It's saying, Lord, I'm losing my life so I can gain you. I'm losing everything so I can gain you. I don't want to do anything with self or the world. I'm surrendering to you, Lord. I, I, I want you to live your life in me and through me. I don't want to live it for myself. I don't trust my own heart. I don't trust myself. I trust only you, Lord, only you. And so Jesus said, abide in me. And if you abide in me, you're fine. Everything is fine. But abiding in Jesus has to do with trust, has to do with complete commitment to the Lord. Total yieldedness, daily dying to self and dying to the world and living unto him and making sure he has full control of our, of our life as Lord. So I said yes, and I'm going to say it again. Many people want to receive Jesus as Savior. They don't want to receive him as Lord because Lord means I submit to your authority. You are Lord over my life. I don't own myself. You own me. You run my life, Lord. Complete surrender. 
means complete commitment to the Lord, where he is through the Lord, and you do exactly what he says to you. And so here, he says, don't call me Lord and not do what I tell you. And what he told us is quite simple. It's quite simple. He, he said, abide in me. Follow me. He didn't give us hundreds of rules and regulations to obey like in the Old Covenant. He fulfilled the law for us. And he said, follow me. Abide in me. How simple is it to follow someone? Just follow me. Die to yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. And the cross means die to self and die to the things of the world and live for the Lord completely and totally, daily. It's a daily commitment. It's a daily walk. Otherwise, people will not make heaven. I'm telling you, in Matthew 7, 13, Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life. He said, enter in at the straight gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there'll be many that'll go there. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads unto life. And few there be that find it, that find it. So finding that way, narrow way, is not you know, easy. It's difficult. Why? Because you have to depend completely on the Lord and not depend on yourself and not trust your own heart and not trust yourself or people. Complete reliance. The Christian life does not teach independence. It teaches dependence completely on the Lord. You know the old saying, the Lord will help those that help themselves. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> the Lord helps those who help themselves. No, no, it's not in the Bible. The Lord helps those who cannot help, the, who cannot help themselves. Who are completely, they give up on self. They give up on the world. They give up on everything. They trust Jesus completely, completely. To live the Christian life means surrender, yield to the Lord. Now, all right, Jesus is the center of our life. He's the center of our faith. And that kind of faith, that kind of saving faith I'm talking about, where you believe in the Lord, that is produced by the Word of God only because Remember the 10 virgins that are mentioned in Matthew 25. I've, I've always wondered about, you know, here are these virgins. Let, 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 let's just go there real, real quick, okay? Matthew 25. Because I've always wondered when, when, when I was young, like, what is it they lacked? Okay, they, they lacked oil. But what was oil? What did that mean? So the kingdom of heaven is like, like these ten virgins who took their lambs, went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. Five had oil and the others didn't have oil. What is that, what is that about? It's, the, it's, it's yielding to the Holy Spirit to live the life of, 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 of the Christian, of the real uh, disciple through you. It's complete yieldingness to the Holy Spirit. You can't really live the Christian life and win unless he, the Holy Spirit, is living that life in and through you. Getting to know the Holy Spirit, getting to know his life and power in your life daily, surrendering to the Holy Ghost. 
because the 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 oil here cannot meet the you know cannot mean the anointing for miracles. It means no oil in their life, no no power in their life, no no power that that kept them. Now they all slept, and that means also sometimes that we you know we all sleep. We all sometimes are not praying and prayerful, and that's what I think it means by sleeping. It's it's as while they slept, the Lord came. But they the, the five of them, even though it, you know times here here and there maybe they didn't pray, but they were full of the Holy Ghost. They were full of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes our body is weak, just like the apostles. We sleep in the garden, you know. They, they, they were asleep. But they still belong to the Lord. So it's about the Holy Spirit's power in our life. Because sleeping doesn't mean here they were dead. Now some translations and some commentators talk about that. But I think it has also to do with sleeping, like not praying, because sleep is prayerlessness. Sometimes Christians, as we don't, we, 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 because we are weak, you know, we all want to pray, but sometimes it's just difficult to pray like you really want to pray. And this is a battle we have to fight every single day where we put our body under subjection. Like Paul said, I put my body under subjection, lest I, be, I will be also a castaway. Fellowship with God, that's our, that's our lifeline to heaven. That's what keeps us walking with God. And prayer is key. Prayer is key to the power of the Holy Spirit being in you and me. Prayer is key to knowing the presence of the Lord daily. Okay? Now, in Proverbs, in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, we have this amazing verse, by the way. And I think it's also a warning. There's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So somebody may think, well, everything is well because the anointing is on my life and I'm seeing miracles and this, that, whatever. But the Lord is not there. It's possible to be anointed for ministry and lack the presence of Jesus. Those ten virgins lack the presence of Jesus. Oh, five, I should say, lack the presence of the Lord. Five did and five did not. So it's important that you and I understand it's the presence of the Lord that really, that's what it's all about. And so there is a way that seems right, but the end is destruction. There's another amazing verse that I want you to look at in Proverbs chapter 30, 30, in verse 12, it says this. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, but they're not washed from their filth. No, by their fruits, you know, people. By the way they live. By holy living and all that. Oh, yes, we all mess up. We've all had bumps. We've all had ups and downs. But then we come out of it and go on with God, living righteously, holy. We strive for that every day of our life. We've all made mistakes. I have, you have. It's, it's, it's about the heart. It's about wanting to live the Christian life, wanting to live holy before the Lord and finding the answer through the scriptures. The word of God is the, that, that's the fuel that gives you the power to live holy. It says very clearly, I've hid your word in my heart that I will not sin against you. I didn't hide your word in my head. 
in my heart. And that happens as you receive the word and receive the word and then you meditate upon the word and the nourishment of the word begins to fill your life by the spirit. Because Jesus said, my word is spirit and life. So the letter kills, you know, but the spirit of the word gives life. That has to do with fellowship with God when we receive his word. In, in John 8, verse 30, it says, many believed on him, but they didn't believe in him because later, when, he, when, when the Lord says to them that their father is the devil in verse 44, and then they wanted to take stones and throw rocks at him when, when he said to them, before Abraham was, I am. So they believed, but they really didn't believe because later they wanted to throw rocks at the, at the Lord. When, and that's all in John 8 when he said, before Abraham was, I am. So, faith. All right. To receive that kind of living, saving faith, we have to, we have to renounce all our own righteousness. We, we cannot depend on our hearts. We cannot depend on ourselves. Our dependence is on the Lord. Like Paul says in Romans 10, 3, he says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. A lot of people are trusting in, the, in their own good, good works. It's not going to work. Okay. You have to forsake sin, not just confess it. We have to forsake sin, say no to it. Proverbs 28, 13, he that forsakes will find mercy. So the Lord said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest, right? To come to Jesus like that means repentance. He says, come unto me, all you who labor. I'll give you rest, Matthew 20, uh, sorry, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But what does it mean to come to him? It means complete repentance. It means turning away from our sin. It means leaving all confidence in ourselves. We can no longer trust self. And it's renouncing all love for sin and the world. It's saying no to sin and no to the world. Because now we can make Jesus all in all. So to come to him means Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Because I think Paul explains what come to Jesus means. He says, as you, as you have therefore, I'm reading Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So to come to Jesus means to receive him, to walk in him, to be rooted and built up in him, to be established in him. He said, I in you, you in me, come unto me all you who labor, I'll have you and I'll give you rest. Surrender me. It means to surrender to him, to give him every Everything, everything. If you want to have your right mind, sit at his feet. 
that man in Gadara sat at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. You cannot find peace without the Lord. Coming to the Lord and just resting in him. Resting, to surrender. Find your rest in Jesus. Not in yourself, not in the world, not in anything. Only Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Now, Lord, I pray that what I have ministered, what I have what I've, uh, shared, what I taught about today, that your people have received it and will remember it. Be our all in all, Lord. Be our everything. Be our all in all. And Lord, help us surrender and yield to you every day. Every day that we will live for you every day. And you will live through us every day. In and through us every day. Truly abiding in you, Lord, daily. We give you all the praise. And Lord, I pray today, create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Lift your hands and pray that with me. Just say, dear Jesus, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of, the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing heart and spirit. So shall I bring transgressors unto the Lord. So will I bring souls to the cross. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name forevermore. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And God's people said, Amen. I pray that prayer almost every day. Every day. Create and make lean heart of God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing heart and spirit. So shall I teach transgressors your ways and sinners will come to your Lord. Would you pray that every day yourself? Because that's the cry in our hearts. We want to live for him like that. Well, thank you for being with me today. I pray the Lord has used this to bless you. And tomorrow, another great and powerful teaching. And now it's time to give to the Lord's work. I ask you because it's so important, especially in these days of darkness, in these days of such fear and uncertainty about the future financially. On earth, people are, are afraid, they're scared. They don't know what's going to happen to them financially tomorrow. Well, there's only one way to secure your financial future. And that's by giving to the work of the Lord, by giving to Jesus. Not, you know, even though people like to invest money to, to get that security, those who are not giving to God are going to lose their, their, their investments. You can lose them like that. Many have, and many will. But when you give to the Lord, he protects your investments. He protects when, when you wisely invest money for tomorrow, especially those of you who are my age and maybe younger than my age and maybe older than me. When you want to secure your tomorrow financially, you want that financial security. As you, as you get older, you know, as you get older, there's only one way I know to protect yourself, giving to the Lord's work. And by giving to the Lord's work, he will give you ideas on how to invest money in the right places properly 
where you won't have nothing when you're old, you know? You won't have uh, uh, problems as you get older. So prepare your future financially by giving to the Lord today. Please hear me out on this one. Please. I've seen many people end up with nothing. They've had to depend on other people. Some, some of them had to stay, uh, had to work as they were uh, you know, older. I know people who are, who are still working in their 80s and 90s because they just didn't plan for their retirement, you know, for their days when they got old. And uh, it's wonderful to see them that they're still living and, and, and strong, some of them, but not all of them, because eventually that body's going to give up. But I'm telling you, giving to the Lord's work today will secure your tomorrow financially. God will favor your life when you need it. And there'll be people for you when you need them in the future. It may not always be your children either. It may be some, someone God will speak to to take care of you and be a blessing to your life. But you give today, so shall man give into your bosom. It doesn't mean it's going to happen right all at the same time. But God will make sure your future is secure. So let's give. Let's sow seed. Lord, bless them as they give. Bless them as they sow seed. Secure their future, Lord. You promised to do it. You said, I will not see the righteous forsaken or receive begging for bread. We give you all the praise. Amen, amen. Okay, you can give on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, bennyhin.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. And give in faith. Give with high joy and expectation in God's faithfulness to you. All right. Much love. I'll see you tomorrow for another great teaching. Just come back from Portugal, by the way. I'll be on my way soon to Africa. And we're going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to Africa soon. And then uh, had massive big invitations have opened up. The whole doors, many, many new doors have opened up. Okay, much love. Bye-bye. Benny Hen Ministries has stayed on the cutting edge for the past five decades. The Lord made it clear that keeping and storing all archives and resources should be a top priority. Thus far, we've rescued and digitized 10,500 of the 13,437 tapes from the past half century. Pastor Benny's legacy, life's work, calling, and anointing will be preserved for generations yet to come. Nearly 50 years ago, this great adventure known as Benny Hen Ministries began with one voice. Today, that one voice continues to be amplified over and over through every possible means. What happens next will be the greatest blessing of all. Isn't it wonderful what the Lord has done? And to Jesus be all the glory. I wanted to show you this beautiful report about the digitizing of thousands and thousands of hours already of the great meetings from the past. Because we want to keep them for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. So we need your help still. So thank you, thank you. I just wanted to show you that your money is doing the job. What you gave in the past is really making it happen. But let's keep doing it for the Lord, please. This is for His glory because now it can go to every nation on earth in every language on earth because of your help. All right, you can give right now on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benahim.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. 
So thank you for loving. Thank you for giving. And let's keep glorifying our wonderful Savior. Much love to you. Thanks again.